Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. You know, one of the things I love about doing the podcast is that I get to meet so many new people. I get to interview homeschooling moms and learn all about some new friends. But every once in a while, I get to interview an old friend as well. And Courtney Garrison is someone that I would consider an old friend. I've been reading her blog for a number of years. We've had different interactions online. And so it was really cool for me to get to sit down and find out a little bit more about her homeschool and her philosophy. And it was a lot of fun. So sit back, grab a cold drink, and enjoy the interview right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast is brought to you by Maestro Classics. Do you want to bring classical music into your children's lives? You can add music to your homeschool curriculum today with Maestro Classics. These award-winning CDs and MP3s feature storytellers Yadu and Jim Weiss, accompanied by the world-famous London Philharmonic Orchestra. Choose from a dozen titles, including Peter and the Wolf, The Nutcracker, and our family's favorite, The Story of Swan Lake. What makes Maestro Classic CDs so special is that each CD and MP3 contain a 24-page activity book with illustrations, puzzles, games, and fun facts for kids. You can even download free curriculum guides that combine classical music with science, math, geography, and other subjects. All CDs and MP3 sets include tracks, which explain to your children how the music was made, who the composer was, the history and story behind the music, the instruments used by the orchestra, and most importantly, how to open your ears and really listen. Listening is a learned art, and Maestro Classics guarantees that these recordings will explain and develop listening skills in your children. Visit maestroclassics.com for free shipping on all CDs and MP3s. They start at just $9.98. As a Homeschool Snapshots listener, you can receive 17% off your order by using the coupon code PAM at checkout. Go to www.maestroclassics.com. That's maestro, spelled M-A-E-S-T-R-O, classics.com, where the best classical music curriculum awaits your homeschool. Garrison has had a life of adventure. She has volunteered with the Peace Corps in the rainforest of Suriname, studied abroad in London, and spent a summer working in Guadalajara. These days, she homeschools her three children, works online as a virtual assistant, and writes thoughtfully about the contemplative homeschool and following the liturgical year at her blog, One Deep Drawer. She joins us today on the podcast to share a little bit about her family's adventures in homeschooling. Courtney, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Well, start off by telling us a little bit about your family. Okay. I have been married to Andy for almost 17 years. We've got three kids. Mabel is nine and Nicholas is seven and Joseph is three. Yeah, we live in the Pacific Northwest and we read lots of books. And my husband is also a teacher. So we've got education coming out our ears. Oh, I love that you said that. My husband is also a teacher. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was great because you totally look at what you're doing as 
you know, you're a teacher. That's fabulous. Yeah. And then it helps when you have to claim those teacher in-service days and <laughs> take it. a day off. I absolutely love it. And he totally gets it. <laughs> well, tell me how you got started homeschooling. We have, I mean, my kids are still fairly young, but we have always homeschooled. We haven't, we didn't start school and then make a switch. We had, like you said, we used to live in the jungle. So totally, you know, off the grid, no electricity, no running water. We had our babies at home. We breastfed. So it was like not a giant leap to think that we could do this ourselves as well. We were enough into DIY stuff that it's homeschooling seemed like a perfect DIY project for us. <laughs> I love it. Homeschooling is DIY education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, when you got started, I mean, you just knew from the beginning that you were going to be in it for the long haul. I don't know. And we're not, we're definitely not a family that says we'll do it this year and we'll reevaluate. Although I definitely think that we do you know, pay attention to what our kids need and try to find solutions for them. And so if homeschooling in the future turns out to not be the best choice for one of our children, then I think we would like to, you know, find what was good for them. But yeah, we're in it. Awesome. Well, your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? Would it be A, Cheaper by the Dozen, B, Much Ado About Nothing, C, Around the World in 80 Days, or D, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? <laughs> yeah, we definitely have some Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde moments uh, with all of us, myself included. I, you know what? I've only read one of those. So I have to pick Much Ado About Nothing, even though I don't exactly know why. <laughs> that's just, that's the only one that I've read. So. I can't pick it by the title. I, I have to have read it. Okay. Sorry. I'm no help there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I think we all have those Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde moment. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It comes with the territory. We're with each other all the time, every day. And so obviously tempers can flare and people can have a hard time. It's summertime right now here and it's hot. It's you know, 95 degrees today and everybody's been a little bit ah, picky at each other. So, yeah. I'm glad to hear it's not just my house. So there you go. <laughs> well, what's the best piece of homeschooling advice that you received as a new homeschooling mom? Oh, man, I think it would be reading Ann Voskamp's blog years and years and years ago, maybe when I just had one kid. So a long time ago, and she was writing about her homeschooling journey. And she said something like a curious mom with a library card can give her kids a stellar education. And I just, that just lit me up. I, that was so exciting to me because I'm curious. And so I could definitely check that box. Yes, I'm a curious mom and I have a library card and know how to use it. And so the idea that we could craft a good education, she even said a stellar education with really simple tools was absolutely engaging to me. Oh, now have you carried that through as your homeschooling philosophy? Because just thinking about you and what I've read from your blog and stuff, that's really about how you do it, isn't it? Well, I, I mean, I do have 150 books checked out from the library. <laughs> I have to turn some in if I check any out. So I've kept up that end of the bargain. And, you know, I love investigating and learning new things and trying stuff out and that's sort of how we run things around here. I mean, we did American history for our sort of the spine of our year last year. And that was because the two-year-old, the three-year-old now 
was super into Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) And so he's two. He's not even really doing school, but he was super excited about that topic. And so when we were talking about, should we, you know, do medieval history again? Should we spend some more time with the ancients? No, it just became very clear that we should spend time with American history because the two-year-old was super into the presidents. And so that interest now has blossomed all of it. You know, it's now American geography. He can, the three-year-old can find any state and. Oh, that's awesome. It's crazy. But yeah, so we've had one of our best homeschooling years ever from following that rabbit trail that became the spine of our year. So how does one get their two-year-old interested in Abraham Lincoln? (laughs) I don't know. We had, you know, books around. I don't know. He had a book from the dollar store, I think. And he would carry it around. And it was his school book. And it was about American presidents and landmarks. And so he found Clinkin, he calls him. and, (laughs) And he liked George Washington and Teddy Roosevelt. So then, you know, that's Mount Rushmore almost. And... Yeah. So we've had a great year. Oh, that sounds awesome. Well, what piece of advice do you wish you had received as a new homeschooling mom? Hmm. Take it easy. Maybe relax a little bit. Know that today is not the definition of your homeschool, whether it's a really amazing day or a less amazing day, that one day doesn't make or break you, that we're here for the long haul. And this is a, a big journey that we're on. Awesome. I love that. Today is not the definition of your homeschool. So favorite family read aloud ever. Ah, I asked my kids this one because it's our family read aloud. So they should have a vote too, even though I'm the one getting interviewed. And my son, Nicholas, he always says whatever book we happen to be reading. So right now we just started the Growly books. And so he said, definitely the Growly books. Those are the best ever. And my daughter, she's been through Narnia a couple of times as read-alouds, as audiobooks. And so she's got a deep affection for Narnia. But I think my favorite family read-aloud is The Black Fox of Lorne by Marguerite D'Angeli. It's a book that, let's see, set in the Middle Ages. So it's not Door in the Wall, which is the more popular Marguerite D'Angeli Middle Ages book. It's a bigger book, a heftier book, and it's about Viking twins who go to England. They go a Viking and have adventures. But it's the sweetest, deepest, most thoughtful explanation of Christianity I've ever read in a fiction book. So it's just, it's like reading devotions as you do the the daily read aloud. It's wonderful. Oh, that's cool. I have never heard of that. So I will definitely have to check that one out. That sounds awesome. It's definitely worth your time because you get a lot of, you know, crazy Viking adventures. So there's lots of violence, but it's and there's animals. They're taking care of horses. So if you've got a, a horse lover, there's horses and there's they're twins. And so you've got lots of family stuff happening too. what it means to be a family and what love is about. And so it's it's a really good book. Awesome. Well, let's talk about homeschool blogs, because I know you've been blogging a while because I've been reading your blog for a while. (laughs) Could you name one homeschool blog that never gets old? What am I going to say? I mean, I think I have to say Misty Winkler's blogs. It's not even necessarily her homeschooling blog, Simply Convivial, because I read them both. She also has Simplified Organization. Mm -hmm. And to me, I mean, the kind of the biggest piece of organization that I have in my day is, is homeschooling. 
So figuring out using, you know, her tips and tricks to figure out how to organize our days. This year, I'm going to try her weekly homeschool checklist. And so printing off something that has what everyone needs to do during the week, and then some ways to track things too, like how many times did we do read aloud? How many glasses of water have I drank? Did I exercise today? Other things like that. So printing it out and she's got templates on her blog. And so that's definitely that Misty's work, I think, influences us very much. Oh, yeah. I think Misty's work influences me very much too. (laughs) Because, you know, Misty's stuff goes deeper than just organization. It's all about your attitude as a mom and how you're viewing not only the things around you, but your role in those things. And so she always gets deeper than just the surface level of what might be going on with a, you know, with getting organized or a problem or something. You know what? The thing that I love about it is that she's actually a homeschooler. (laughs) She's actually doing the work that she's talking about. And I find that there's sometimes a disconnect. You know, I love reading theoretical books and I love reading, you know, education books and even, you know, theoretical homeschooling books, you know, about classical education or something. But there's sometimes a disconnect between what happens in the book and what happens on Tuesday morning at my house. And I find that resources written by homeschoolers for homeschoolers have, you know, a taste of real life that's sometimes missing from more theoretical things. So I really like that. I really like that her kids have struggles with math and that she, you know, forgot to thaw out dinner and that, you know, and it's not like her blog is a litany of of mistakes that she's made, but I feel like she's offering practical solutions to problems that I have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the problems I have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of homeschooling books, what is a homeschool book that you think has most influenced you? Wow, I love, uh, now the name of it left my head. I love Educating the Wholehearted Child by Sally Clarkson and the Teenage Liberation Handbook by Grace Llewellyn. It's a book that's written for teenagers about educating yourself, but it's just a really good primer for understanding how education works and how learning works. But I think my favorite book is not even necessarily a homeschooling book, really, but it's a a book by John Holt called Never Too Late. And it's Mm. about his learning to play the cello as an adult. So he was an adult, he was an educator, he was a successful writer, but he wanted to learn how to play the cello. And this book is all about how that happened for him as an adult. And it's just, it's wonderful because he really loves music. And so it's fun to hear him talk about, you know, hearing, you know, playing records and how he's responding to the music. But then, you know, what it's like to practice a an instrument when you're not very good and you know that, you know, and your mom isn't there to make sure that you're practicing. How does, what does, what does that look like and how does that work? So it's just a really, really good book about learning. You know, I have never read that book. I've read a number of John Holt's work and I've never read that one, but there's a quote, there's a John Holt quote that I always keep in the back of my mind. So, you know, I have a child that takes piano and I have a child that takes steel drum and Olivia's, oh. she's probably taken piano for She'll be entering her third year now. And, you know, sometimes I think, well, we haven't gotten very far along in the little book. (laughs) Well, (laughs) she's okay. She's on her level two book. So, you know, she I think she did like the pre-primer and the 
level one book and now she's, you know, in the level two book. And I'm like, well, we haven't gotten very far along. But in the back of my head, every time I, you know, practice is on her daily checklist of things to do, piano practice. And every time I kind of push at her, I remember this John Holt quote where he said, you know, you don't, as an adult, if you're playing an instrument for joy, you don't practice the instrument, you play it. <laughs> and so I just try not to, you know, we ha- I leave the piano open, I leave it available, despite the fact that I often want to yell at her from the kitchen to stop playing the piano. I let her play <laughs> whenever she wants to, you know, and I don't push the practice. And it all comes from that John Holt quote. And I think she just, she has so much joy in playing and doesn't feel a lot of pressure you know, because of that. So, you know, I send up a silent little prayer of thanks to John Holt that he kind of helped shape my attitude on piano practice. I love that. I love it. And I love, I know that quote and I've sort of used it too in a wider context, you know, not just about practicing an instrument. You know, what are you practicing for? You know, are you going to be at Carnegie Hall? Well, probably not. You know, I mean, you might have a family and friends little get together where you play, but this is it. I mean, when Olivia is at the piano playing, like that's what that's why she's learning piano is to do that, to enjoy that and to feel that joy. And that's why, you know, that's why we read. We you don't practice reading I and mean, you do practice reading, but you read, you learn how to read so that you can read and right. you can be immersed in books and you can find yourself in books. And that sort of, you know, taking the daily practice and really giving it the honor that it's due because we kind of sometimes can slog through it. But really, there's enjoyment there. And I mean, I think that's a, you know, that's a big uh, morning time, your morning basket idea, I feel, you know, it's not necessarily about just, you know, getting through our memory work or making sure that we practice our hymn singing. It's about actually doing the thing. It's about actually listening to the scripture. It's about actually singing together. And doing those things, doing those ritual practices enlivens us and changes us. And, and that's like, it's, you can't replicate that in school. It's wonderful. Well, you know, when you think about it, think about how many years you spent your life in school thinking, oh, if I can just get through school, my real life will start. (laughs) You know, I think every high schooler ever has probably thought that a number of times. If I could just get through school, my real life will start. I think we need to start taking the attitude that our children, their real lives started at birth and we need to let them live and not just practice to live. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. So, okay. Thanks for bringing up John Holt. (laughs) Got me thinking. How do you fix a homeschool day that's gone bad? Uh, Well, I mean, I think what I said before about knowing that it doesn't define you, expecting them is another thing for me. You know, I used to kind of feel like when things were going downhill, it was a a mistake has been made. You know, we've got to rectify this situation somehow. We've got to fix this. But now I kind of know to expect hard days, that hard days aren't necessarily a sign of things needing to be completely overhauled. Another thing that's really helped me is it's a Misty Winkler idea. Days are up and down. You know, there, there are better days and worse days. But over the course of a week, you can kind of even things out. So if you have a couple of good days and a couple of bad days, you can call that a, you know, a successful week. And so that's something that's helped me sort of wrap my mind around bad days is to know that 
there's another day tomorrow and that we can, you know, we're going to have another experience and that helps. But you know what, really the way that you rescue a bad day, the way that we rescue a bad day is to have poetry tea time. Mm. We brew a pot of tea and I might make some blueberry muffins or maybe just cinnamon toast and get everyone around the table and pour the tea. And maybe that's all we do. (laughs) Maybe it's just a tea, not necessarily a poetry tea. But I also might grab our current read aloud or our poetry book, our history spine, and just spend a few minutes reading together because the tea and toast tends to calm everyone down, sort of push reset and help us to gather ourselves so that it's probably, if it's a bad day, you know, tea and toast is not going to mean that everyone then is ready to like, you know, hit the math and write a five paragraph essay. That's not going to happen, but it can redeem the time a little bit so that we don't end up feeling like we've wasted our day. Yeah. Yeah. And also it'll cause calmer heads to kind of prevail and tempers to calm down and people to stop being upset. And yeah, well, I love that idea, but even more so, I love the cinnamon toast thing because (laughs) the number one thing that derails poetry tea time in my house is I have to make something or we have nothing in the cabinet you know, because I will pull something out of the cabinet and just serve it. But, you know, we don't always have cookies sitting around because that would be bad for mom. So cinnamon toast. That's a wonderful idea. I love it. You've just redeemed poetry tea time in my house. I'll be able to do it a lot more often. (laughs) Well, we used to do oats and poems because you can't be drinking tea all the time either. And we wanted to read poems more often than we were drinking tea. So we would, you know, have a regular breakfast and then get a morning time started. and then when you need your second breakfast, we would have a pot of oatmeal together. And so everyone would gather and have oatmeal. And then I would read some poems. So it's even sort of less celebratory. (laughs) Oatmeal is less celebratory than cinnamon toast. But but yeah, cinnamon toast is a big hit here. Oats and poems. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about some of your overseas adventures. Are there ways that your past experiences inform your current parenting and homeschooling practices? Well, I mean, how can they not? You know, I mean, it's sort of how I'm made. And so, of course, they influence it. But I'm not sure how exactly. You know, one thing is when you've lived for years without electricity or running water, your tastes sort of get a lot lower on the on the totem pole. You don't need so much. You don't you know, my the dinner selection that I offer to my family is not the most adventuresome or culinary or thought out. It's very simple stuff because I don't know, that's just what I want to eat. I want to eat real simple stuff. But we, and just the feeling that you can do something yourself, that you can have an idea. My daughter is a builder somehow. She loves making structures. And so we were doing some tree work, you know, trimming some branches and she immediately like gathered them up and started weaving them into this little lean to tent And so I think that sense of sort of just trying things out, just seeing what you can make, not necessarily waiting for someone to, you know, give you the permission or the directions, but to just see what you can do yourself. Yeah, that kind of goes along with your whole homeschooling as a DIY project. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, you know, when when we were in the Peace Corps, we were non-formal education volunteers. So that means we were education volunteers, but we didn't work in a school. So we we actually kind of had a podcast. 
out in the jungle with no electricity. We taught English lessons. So we would write these little radio shows. And for two hours every night, the radio show would run a generator and broadcast a radio signal that went up and down the river. And so we recorded these shows and, you know, did little English conversations. We also had English classes and we also did preschool at our house because there were, it costs a little bit of money to send your kids to school. And if kids show any sort of physical or mental disability, their parents don't spend the money. And so there was sort of this roaming pack of kids (laughs) and we started having them over to our house and we would sing songs. I mean, we were basically doing morning time. We would sing songs and we would build with blocks and we would draw on the chalkboard. And, but, you know, just seeing the need and then working to fill it. That's definitely a Peace Corps value. Right. And it's something you've carried over into your homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, your space online is, I'm going to say it's quiet. And I don't mean that it's not that there's, you know, never anything there. There is, there's a lot of stuff there, but it always seems like calm things that you're posting. I love your, index card a day posts that you do. And then you've been making a journal this summer on those index cards. And it's just a nice, peaceful place. And so I get the feeling that you spend time in contemplation. How do you make room for that? And how do you do it with like, you know, three kids swirling around you all the time? They've got to be right in the middle of it. I mean, for the most part, they've got, I've got to sort of find pockets, build in pockets of contemplation right in the middle of my day. I mean, I definitely, I wake up early. So I wake up before anyone else does. And the majority of that time is spent working. But the first few minutes before the French press is ready to be plunged, that's when I am quiet and can do some like real contemplation. But otherwise it happens in our day. And so like I was saying earlier, when we're singing hymns together, I realized that it's important for me to, you know, keep my eyes on my own work, to keep my eyes on my own folder of memory work, to not be, you know, checking in with everyone and making sure that they're sitting up straight and that they're being reverent enough and that they're, you know, not being too loud with their Legos, that I need to let, I'm here listening to the scripture, singing the songs, praying, and I need to let that wash over me and sink into me. And I need to, be blessed by that because here's the time when I'm meeting God and when God is meeting me in my day. And we can just sort of do that and check off the list. We can do that and I can be nitpicking and, you know, making sure that no one can get blessed because, you know, they're not ever going to sit up straight enough or be still enough or quiet enough. Or I can relax a little bit and let that time be contemplation. Let the words of the hymn really change me. I love that. So you're not just going through the motions and it, it goes back to that whole idea of the mother as a participant in morning time and not somebody, you know, who's directing the program. You're getting just as much out of this as they are. Yeah. My husband has started teaching at a Catholic school and it's a, a De La Salle school. So it's the, the patron saint is Jean-Baptiste de La Salle. And in LaSallian schools, they start every class period by saying, doing this call and response, and one of the students will lead it, and then the whole class will answer. And they say, let us remember, and then they answer, that we are in the holy presence of God. And that's how they start every class period. 
And so we've added that to our Mm. morning time. That's how we begin. That's the invocation for our morning time. And it's one of those things that's, you know, so centrally true. We are in the presence of God and we are always in the presence of God, but we need to remember it. We need to know that God is here with us and that, that our work is happening in the presence of God. So that's been a really neat addition to our morning time. Oh, I love it. And then those little pockets of contemplation through the day, because so many of us really don't have time to set aside large periods of time for contemplation and reflection and study. So if we can pick up those moments, even when our kids are swirling around us and include them, then we're going to get so much more. Yeah. And we do a lot of coloring here. When we do Saint Day celebrations, it's basically poetry tea time, only instead of reading poems, we read a saint biography. And if it's a really good day, I might have some, there might be some treat that somehow ties into (laughs) the saint of the day. Although, you know, it's like St. Andrew and you get goldfish crackers. So it's not, (laughs) not rocket science, but we color a lot during those. So I'll, you know, we'll get the snack set up and we'll read a little bit about the saint and then we'll do coloring sheets from, let's see, Waltzing Matilda is a blog that has lots of coloring mm-hmm. sheets. And I also really like Veronica's work at Paper Dolly. And so we print something out and then we'll just, you know, turn on some music or just talk or and color. And we, it just, it opens up a little bit of space where there's not anything else that's supposed to be happening. You know, there's not, and it's not an elaborate art project that's themed to the saint as much as I would like to do those, it doesn't happen often. It's something that I, and I often, sometimes I'm just, I'm the only one who colors because, you know, they're off doing something else. They're not super interested, but coloring is something that slows you down and gives you space to contemplate. And, and then this year we actually, we um, got some plain vigil candles from the grocery store, the glass tall candles. And sometimes they have, you know, saints printed on them. But we started cutting out whatever we had colored and gluing it to the plain candles. Oh, and so then we ha- we had these vigil candles that were around and sort of reminders of the work that we had done and the stories that we had shared. So you were doing like this adult coloring craze before it was even cool. Except that I don't do adult coloring. I do, I do kids <laughs> You just coloring. do your saint things. <laughs> it's really simple. It's not the really complex, lovely thing. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> but you know what? You're still moving the pencil across the paper. Yes. And I'm sure yes. that, you know, that's bringing you some of that peace. I love the fact that you do it, even if they get up and leave, because we do kind of need those pockets. What a way to meditate on, you know, the life of the saint that you're coloring. As you're sitting there filling that in. So, and we'll link to both of those coloring sites in the show notes as well. So wonderful. Awesome. Well, Courtney, are you ready for a pop quiz? Okay. Okay. Pen or pencil? Oh, black pen. Early bird or night owl? I wake up very early. Dishes or laundry? Oh, (laughs) how is this going? What I love, what I don't love? Let's see. Uh, Laundry, because we can have audiobooks. Poem or short story? Oh, I hate short stories. I love poetry. High tech or low tech? Ah, I I don't know how to answer that one. I'm a virtual assistant. So, uh, you know, I'm never far from Wi-Fi, but I'm also a total Luddite. I mean, I'm very, very low tech. This is going to have to be your new tagline. It's the Luddite virtual assistant. (laughs) 
if there's a market for that exactly, but yeah. <laughs> dystopia or fairy tale? Oh, dystopia. <laughs> I'm a total, total pessimist. Talker or listener? Mm, I'm a talker. Preschool or high school? I don't know. I haven't done high school. So I have to say preschool, but man alive. Uh, you know, like I said, one of my favorite homeschooling books is um, Teenage Liberation Handbook. So you're looking, I'm looking forward, forward to it. I'm, yeah. Yeah. On the go or stay at home? We're going to stay at home. Courtney, tell everybody where they can find you online. Well, I blog at One Deep Drawer, and that's CourtneyGarrison.com. I love Instagram. And so you can find my pictures at Instagram slash One Deep Drawer. I also am the community director for the Read Aloud Revival. And so if you are hanging out there, there's a good chance that we could connect there. And that would be really fun. Yeah, you're very active over there, too. So, well, thank you so much for joining me here today. Oh, Pam, I had a nice time. Thank you. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to any of Courtney's book recommendations or the coloring site she talked about today or anything else we mentioned in the podcast, you can find that at the show notes for this episode. That is at edsnapshots.com forward slash HSP. 36. We'll have all of that waiting over there for you. We also have instructions for you there on how to leave a rating or review for the Homeschool Snapshots podcast on iTunes. The ratings and reviews that you leave for us help us get the word out about the podcast to new listeners. And we thank everybody who has taken the time to do that. We'll be back again in another couple of weeks with another great homeschooling interview. Until then, keep on homeschooling.